Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week, we celebrate 250 episodes of Power Athlete Radio. That's nearly five years of mindless banter, movie debates, beating a dead horse with the same stories, and of course, the occasional special guest, Mr. John Wellborn. All kidding aside, what an amazing ride this has been. We have had the pleasure of hosting countless phenomenal leaders, scientists, doctors, authors, coaches, friends, you name it, we've had them. And I was stoked to be in town long enough to sit down and recap with the guys. Yes, I laughed a lot and I can't help it because I am in fact an idiot. Anyways, enjoy the barn banter straight from HQ. This is episode 250. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Premier Podcast is straight and can... Yes, people, we are actually on air. Sorry, Callie, you're not used to it. What you do is just talk, and you talk, and you lose your space on what you're going to talk about, and then something comes to mind. The temperature. (laughs) Right now, the the weather is beautiful here in Texas. The temperature is probably 65 degrees, but inside here, Callie, what's so odd, it's a brisk 41. Wouldn't you say? I don't don't want to rehash what we've already hashed, but I'm about to hash this again. Let's hashtag. Episode 250 of Beating a Dead Horse podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, people. Can, we, are, <laughs> can we rehash this? First of all, every time you talk about the weather, I <laughs> swear to God, it's like the movie Groundhog Day. Right. The alarm clock goes off. Rise and shine, campers. <laughs> <laughs> He's like. <sighs> every time the podcast starts, it's Luke comes on. What is it? Puxatawney Phil. No, and, and, you talk, and you talk about the weather every the fucking Bud, time. It, isn't it the Bud Light commercial? I hear it every time where he's like, ah, ah, yeah, I'm always like, I'm all like, sold gold. Two I'm gold like, fucking podcast well, I moves. think episode 250 should just be Callie berating us on how bad we are. Ooh, podcasting. Uh, critique. <laughs> critique. Performance let's review. Hear. I am not against I'll start. it. <laughs> Callie, here's where we're going to start. Uh, so if... Uh, Your, Festivus? <laughs> what's that thing where they tell each other? Air, air your grievances. Yeah, you I got a lot of say to you people <laughs> oh air them out come on let's hear them no that's that's the main grievance and i already brought that up to luke and uh which was your first mistake what about the mouth <laughs> what about the mouth breathing by chris mcquilkin i've tried to edit a lot of that out actually i'm not the mouth he's not breather. the biggest mouth breather. he has a he has sort of like the wet mouth sound well on... it's because he's constantly pursing his lips it's so weird <laughs> like no. whereas luke over there is like this luke's yeah the, luke's unhinged mouth... your jaw you just told me unhinged your jaw we're getting we're going live <laughs> I'm like a python. What? No good? Oh, if no I good? had a dollar. Actually, actually, it's more like a duck. Eh, pigs tend to chew. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. What, what are we talking about today? What we have for you today is an unprecedented episode <laughs> of Power Athlete Radio. I don't know why you keep saying that. because this. When's is the last time we had our 250th uh, episode? Every single episode is unprecedented. Right? We're like this. Yes. Because technically, we've never done a 250th episode. So technically, it is unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> I feel like there's some precedence to the theme, which is just answering questions, though. But we're not really answering questions. Are no. We, we're asking people, questions. No, people <laughs> ask questions. We just give them the information they want. Yeah. We tell you what you want to hear, not the real answers. So if you've been actually <laughs> listening to this podcast and putting any of our advice into action. You're a genius. And you've brought the action. Bring, Let us bring know if it's the action. Bring the action. Because <laughs> we don't know what we're no, doing here. Oh, we do. So if you're one of the 36 people who have asked a question, I'm sorry, we're not going to talk about any of that. <clears throat> well, I would like to note the, I guess, the interesting popularity of the show. 
Because yesterday, Luke and oh, I yeah, yeah. Uh, had a drink with Melissa Schilling. She's in town for South by Southwest. Well, no, I'd say we more like linked and synced with her. We did link and sync with <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah. Was there any space talking? No space talking, unfortunately. No, no space talking. But then she informed us that, I guess it was her secretary or somebody. Yeah, executive assistant. Executive assistant listens to a fitness podcast, and then Melissa Schilling was on it. So I... I don't know. Maybe this person doesn't lift weights. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's whoa. fitting this podcast all, in her schedule. fucking fitness huh? podcast. That's yeah. how people know us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the other day, I did get an email Take it, to John. info at CrossFitFootball.com. Oh, oh my God. Uh, on my phone. So I do, I too. So, so did, did you get my response? I did, yes. Where I said to the guy, I'm like, first of all, how did you get this email and where was it posted? Where do you live? And the guy, like, I was like, what this website? This email... Uh, and that website, like nothing exists under that email. Was so it the, from Dave Castro and was it a cease and desist? <laughs> no, it was some guy in Australia asking about like, I love your CrossFit programming. And I'm like, this fucking guy. Yeah, but information me. takes a long time to get to Australia. I've the distance dealt with the internet there. It uh -huh. is dog shit. Sorry, yeah, Australian enough. listeners. Oh, uh, that's true. Uh, but I, uh, the guy hasn't responded to me, which I'm a little upset about, but, uh, I know Luke doesn't get info across the I've football I've unlinked anymore. and unsynced with that shit. But I still have it just because there might be some, like, kind of like, uh, Raven. Callie's listening station. Now she's shooting out information into the internet Correct. or into the world. It's a hundred percent like a contact situation. Wasn't there like in like Jody 1972, Foster. didn't we get like something back for like 36 seconds? Like some like information. Information? Back. Like we got like a transmission from You're space. You're thinking of the movie Contact. No, starring Jodie Foster. Uh, <laughs> Great movie. I, oh yeah. I forgot who where, where I found the uh, or maybe this might have been <clears throat> in college, but uh, there was my one of my professors in my interstellar dust class said that uh, what, we've what? been. You took an interstellar dust class. Berkeley yes, hashtag uh, college. Okay. <laughs> so, First time I'm hearing this. <laughs> so I got roped. I took uh, uh, this astrophysics class. Um, because one, uh, my uh, advisor who should be shot told us that you get the questions. They give you like the 10 questions to the, uh, to the midterm and the final. You get them like three weeks early and you can write and work them out. And you just have to go in and answer the questions. And I was like, oh, that's fucking easy. I'll just go to class. I'll get the questions. I'll get them early and I'll just figure them out. Yeah, and, I'll, and, and then I'll memorize and I'll go knock it out. Uh, no. It was uh, Astrophysics, Interstellar 10. The guy that taught the class, I think, had, like, won the Fields Medal or something. I mean, this dude was unreal. And uh, I get in this class, and they're talking about, like, quantum mechanics so far over my head. Yes. Uh, I get the questions. I don't even know where to start. I, like, went to every single office hour and, like, literally sucked any bit of information I, I could get out of these people. Literally. Literally. That's because I, like, you have to be on them. LSD to, like, Literally brain bug them. Stuff. But uh, it turned out my professor, who was super cool cat, like, uh, was one of the original developers. Remember the uh, screensaver for Supernovas? Yes, I did. Like, like, do you know the one where it was just, like, <laughs> yeah. Supernovas? Windows 3.1. Yeah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was one of the original programmers and designed that, and, like, that's how he funded himself because he was getting royalties off of that. <clears throat> yeah, there was, like, the star, there was yeah. star yeah. dust, and then, like, Supernova, and then bouncing windows. Yeah, the so, And then you remember uh, the, the snake. But in, what about, like, the triangle that changed <sighs> colors? Uh, no. no, that's one. Uh, You're but, not crazy, man. But in the deal, since, like, the 1950s, we've been pushing out, like, uh, um, like I guess it was... Uh, radio waves. Ra yeah, radio waves of Morse code, different language. We've been, like, some somehow projecting them into the universe. And I think for, like, 36 seconds, we got, like, a response. Mm. And what did they say? <laughs> he didn't tell us what the response was. He just said, what did you like say? It was, I can hear you now. <laughs> Being like, you guys are idiots. Oh, Stop sending Morse code. But if it's you look it up, Tex, Tex, I, I don't know you how you it. Google that, but you might want to check it out. But uh, I just remember that. Fact, piece. We have our fact checker here. Yeah. 
So Tex is over there. Does John's 20-year-old memory, which is amazing seeing as the things that are over 20 years old before I started playing college football, I remember like yesterday. Anything in the last 20 years? Couldn't tell you. Not sure I want a flat earther doing her fact checking on his laptop. I'm a flat earther. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's actually the new so, name of the podcast. Three globetards and the flat earth guy. So, uh, uh, Ken, uh, so I recently did another speaking engagement for the Institute of Human uh, and Machine Cognition with Ken Ford. And uh, I always enjoy going to lunch with Ken Ford because he is part of the Flat Earth Society. He's part of it, but... It's, well, what they do is uh, they invite in idiots. Does he, does he really subscribe? No, it's, yeah, uh, it's some really, really smart people are involved in this. And what they do is they invite people in that believe in stupid shit like Flat Earth mm-hmm. and they fucking lambaste them. I think that's great. And uh, I'm just telling you guys, for it's those of you, like, uh, like uh, uh, my favorite part about the flat earthers is how they believe that we've never been to the moon. We've never left the, uh, you know, the confines of this, you know, atmosphere and whatnot. So uh, when I was talking with Ken, he's like, can you imagine the global conspiracy? He's like, think about the Russians and the Americans and how all the people. He goes, effort. how much coordination? Yeah. He goes, we can't keep a fucking secret on anything. And no. you're telling me for the last 50 years. Too many people know the secret. Every, uh, the Russians, the United, the United States, everybody that's had some form of space uh, program got together and said, we're going to keep the ruse. Yeah. He's like. Impossible. He's like, just that alone, he goes, fucking disallows all of it. And he goes, and the fact that, uh, where do the rockets go when we shoot them up? Because he's like, I've worked at NASA. We've seen the rockets. They go up. And uh, he's like, where do you think they go? I'm like, don't they just go out of sight and splash in the water? That's what people say. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, you can follow them on radar, and everybody on the planet has radar, mm-hmm. and they follow the rockets leaving the atmosphere. He's like, don't you think that people would see the rocket crash and somebody at some point, other than some fucking weird dude in his basement coming up with mathematical equations on airline flights would fucking find it? I don't even entertain this conversation. But yeah, don't you think if the earth was round though, you're at the bottom of your shoes would be round? <laughs> God, is this the argument? So uh, I kind of asked him a little bit on like the you know Ken Ford's probably the smartest dude I've ever you know had the opportunity to sit with, and Answer the fact the that question, he sits John. with me, no. Uh, but my arches are so high. But Arch he, uh, that's the, that's the we, we were talking about because I, I asked him. I'm like, you know, we believe that there, or from from what we know, there's infinite amount of galaxies and like you know solar systems, and we've been able to like re, you know realize that there's probably exponential to the, the amount of uh, solar systems and galaxies out there. So when you start kind of looking at that number, there has to be something similar to what we have here on Earth. And he's like, we've never found anything that, you know, even though we've only looked at a small amount that has a similar setup to what we have with this like molten core and how it all kind of works. And he's sort of getting pretty fucking jiggy on me. And I was like, holy shit, dude. And but I uh, anytime I look or I see because I know you idiots fucking forward me the flat earth stuff all the time. It's uh, it's just ridiculous. It's I think it's like a sickness. It's kind of like the people that. uh yeah. It's 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 just uh, what is the term? Uh, I think it's disagreeableness. Maybe shut up. One of the one of the most prevalent qualities in a creativity ge- in, in a creative genius. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, I mean, I, you know, Luke's a big fan of just arguing to argue. Uh huh. But I I think at some point, like, uh, things are kind of past reproach. You know? So disagreeableness is well, not the same thing as being a contrarian, which it, is what Luke is. No, I don't think so. A dead horse beater. <laughs> dead horse beater. Who, me? What's the difference between dead horse beater and disagreeableness? Uh, animal cruelty. <laughs> well, T- the timing. animal's not alive, One though. involves a horse. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I just like to stretch whether or not you, anyone who I disagree with, knows what they're talking about. 
God, That's Lu- it. Well, Lu- actually, you don't know what you're talking about, so what you do is you disagree, so then you hear everybody's arguments, so then it educates you. No, I have, a, I have a preconceived opinion on the matter, and it might be yours. You'll never know. You'll never fucking Thank know. you for making me a better version of myself. No, it's not. That's not it. <laughs> That's exactly what you're implying right now. No. You're pushing us no, to our to our outer reaches think, of what our, our, of our. Uh, I think you have to. I mean, it it happens in science, right? So somebody comes up with a hypothesis. Somebody you know comes up with an you know, hey, like here's my notion, here's my idea. This is what I'm I, I believe, and I think uh, for for things to take relevance and more importantly to kind of examine them and kind of take them from just like a hypothesis to actually and you know firm understanding, you have to have people on the other side that are like. I don't buy it. Prove it to me. Oh, now, whether or not they disagree, I think that piece is very, very valuable. I mean, I know we did this pretty extensively for, um, you know, even for things with, you know, the cornerstone of power athlete, which is really our definition of athleticism. You know, I mean, we crafted that. I mean, I, you know, I think of like, you know, crafting that piece and then, you know, talking with us and then pushing it out in here and talking to different people and trying to argue different points of this thing. It just, you know, I mean, you just can't take things at face value. And it, it, that's incredibly important because it, it strengthens, I guess, the our argument for that. So one, it improves our ability to have that formal discussion. Uh, why I do appreciate Luke's disagreeableness, it forces me to work on my social intelligence to then stand in front of a group, like uh, say we go out, you send us all over the world to talk about athleticism. It's bulletproofed in this small group environment based off of a dead horse beater well uh, true but there, there there's kind of some different ways and you know um, everybody at this table's had the opportunity to go teach a seminar or travel to far off lands and try to spread this gospel you know and i used to work gospel very loosely um, but i think it all comes back to this uh you know this piece of like you know here's the information i'm going to convey and a big part of that is not near is, is not the information but it's the style at which the information is presented you know, um, kind of like, you know, like ethos logos. Yeah. Kind of like I talked to you about, you know, uh, Dale Carnegie's how to uh, win friends and influence people is an important book, you know, to read about, you know, if you want to make a friend, how do you make that? Like, how do you endear yourself to people? How do these things happen? Some people naturally know it and other people really have to learn it. And, um, you know, somebody asked me, they're like, Oh, have you ever been to like Toastmasters or anything like that? And I'm like, no, they were like, you know, where did you, you know, learn to public speak and be able to work in front of an audience? And I'm like, honestly, it was trial by fire. Exactly. I think you can, you you can present someone with the information on paper. You can show them YouTube videos. You can send them to Toastmasters, whatever. But nothing can replicate just being in front of people or interacting with people, getting to know people, like new people on a new basis regularly. That, I mean, that's that's how know. you develop those things. I don't know things. Toastmasters. Uh, Toastmasters like a, yeah, it's practice. like a public speaking okay. thing where you go and they, um, you know, it's uh, like kind of a finishing deal where they help, you know, people. Uh, polish you know, their polish, yeah, polish yeah. and and get ready in front of a, a group. I know my older brother went to it and he thought it was you know extremely beneficial. But I asked him, I'm like, do you think it was the difference in terms? Because my brother Rob's really a salesman. I mean, he uh, you know does insurance for you know construction and uh, commercial stuff. And he said, you know, by far his best teacher in terms of how to present and get up and uh, sell people was having to having one how to cold call. And just having opportunity to do it and then being able to have to walk into people's office cold and just be able to open them up. And he's like, you know, those two things helped me tremendously in terms of speaking. I mean, for me, uh, having as many opportunities as we've had, as I've had to be able to get up in front of new people and present the information. Right. And, um, you know, uh, some of the best seminars I remember was when people were somewhat either conflicted or they, um, you know, didn't buy in. And then we worked on just fucking beating them like a dead horse. 
John, question for you, going back to your experience teaching seminars all over the world, what were some of the biggest, I guess, conflicts? I recall one guy training, and you had to just step on his barbell because he was going crazy. Uh, what are some of the biggest, I guess, I don't know, pushbacks that you received in your teaching experience? Um, I think what was always a little confusing for me was the idea that uh, it was okay to do things improper if you were just under the guise of going hard. Um, I'm just fucking going hard. And like, you know, I mean, I, I heard at the original, you know, when I went to the CrossFit's level one many, many years ago, they talked about, you know, the 80-20 rule. If it looks too good, you're not going hard enough. And like kind of this, uh, they had this kind of scale where, you know, if it looks too good, you can go harder and you have to have this like 80-20 slop rule, which uh, I thought was fucking awful. I was like, you know what? Um, if I won 80% of my plays, I wouldn't have had a job. And like, if, if anything, I'm looking for perfection of movement. Um, and I'm never going to allow myself anything less. I'm going to like, you know, attention to detail is going to be 100%. Uh, I can remember, uh, who exactly who it was. It was in San Antonio and we had, um, a dude, um, you know, who was, you know, we were pretty forthright on what we expected into in the coaching. You guys know this. I didn't really care on the times. We didn't even tell people the times. What I was more interested in is the one is that people were active and they were coaching and they were pushing the people to perfection and this dude just fucking literally we go three two one go this guy's just round back deadlifting it just looks fucking awful and his coach is just screaming at him go 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 uh, just cheerleading and i go over and i'm like dude what are you doing and i go to reprimand the guy and he just looks at me he goes he's going hard you know you know and just gives me this bullshit and then i remember the guy uh the guy was a a male nurse and he drove a yellow porsche and his license plate said poor vita so I started calling him Poor Vita Nightingale. And I was like, listen here, Poor Vita, Poor Vita Nightingale. And he like got all offended. And then uh, I got fucking pissed. And I like, towards, uh, once he got done, I was like, that was fucking awful. That's by far the, one of the worst uh, athletic performances I've ever seen and one of the worst coaching performances I've ever seen. So I told the guy, I'm like, I'm coaching you on this next one. So you know what he does? He fakes an injury. Uh, as we're going to warm up, we, you know, like, because I think we we're going to pull 315 deadlifts at 135. He Elvison goes, pulls one. He goes, oh, my back. And lays down and goes, I can't do it. And faked an injury out of the fucking workout. That guy was a massive cunt. And uh, he ended up writing me a very negative review uh, for a million different reasons. Shocker. And um, I don't think he has a gym anymore, man. You know, quite possibly one of the worst attendees we've ever had. Uh, so, you know, and, and I, I go back to a statement I heard Greg Glassman make, and I don't know if Greg coined this or where it came from. I never really looked it up, but, you know, people fail to margin their experience. And if you want to uh, reduce your, mar you know, your margin of error and you want to push it out, you have to increase your experience to where all of a sudden no, nothing is ever going to approach, you know, your margin. Like you have pushed everything out so far by increasing, you know, your experience and, and having as much experience as you can in terms of coaching, speaking, doing whatever, that nothing is ever going to push you near your margin. Live in the fray, right? Yeah. Isn't that Rudy Reyes? Uh, Adam Nelson. Adam Nelson. Yeah, life happens up on the rails. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if we see, and, and we, we've run into this, and, uh, you know, at the time that uh, Greg made that statement, I thought, man, that's a pretty good one. I got to write that one down. And I've just seen it happen over and over and over again. Even to Greg Glassman in CrossFit, you know, um, they fail at the margins of their experience. And I, I look at it like if I want to avoid failure, I have to continually be pushing my experience out as far as I can, which is why we've never stopped learning. We've never stopped reaching out. We never stop, uh, you know, hopefully evolving. Luke, do you have any conflicts or uh, push, hard push? 
Mm, yeah. Did you have so a disagreeable petty. guy? But it, here's the thing. It was, uh, I would say, it was my, it was my shortcoming. I didn't know the info. And you try to step out of your wheelhouse. Another ism of our upcoming coaches as they go through the pipeline, stay in your wheelhouse. And you get it, you get a disagreeable person. You try to venture into this area where you're not fucking like suited up to battle. And then all of a sudden, it's like it, it, it becomes. You know where I got that one? Not constructive. Do you know where that whole statement comes from? The wheelhouse. My brother Ed. Oh yeah. Yeah, my brother Ed. Uh, stay in your wheelhouse. You know, find your wheelhouse, own the wheelhouse. And I, I always remember thinking like, the fuck is a wheelhouse? And, you know, it goes to the idea, and that's really my brother Eddie, you know, uh, become a master of your domain and literally own mm-hmm. that in, in, in every level. So, and I can think of, I can, it would, Tex, I think you might have been there. Were you in Nashua? Nashua, yeah, I was. That was, I believe, my first New Hampshire intern mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was me, you, and Benny. Benny. And we were talking about legumes and I phoned a friend I hit wellborn and it was a it was a special guest that was battling me about anthro like anthropological research of like fucking underprivileged and underfed people how beneficial legumes and nuts were for diet and like I'm just fucking got lost you know and I that one stands out to me but I look at it as more as like how the f- it- uh, I believe that you called me when the guy also, uh, we talked about, uh, you know, grains not being able to be eaten and digested mm-hmm. unless they'd been cooked. And the guy was like, well, I grew up on a farm and we used to eat wheat berries raw. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that was me. <laughs> it might have, it could have been. You know, and, I, I, like, like, and you were like, this dude's over here talking about wheat berries raw and being like, ah, okay, well, like you can eat, technically you can consume anything. Now, whether or not it's good for you is a whole different matter. But but I never had, you know, and it, we, we got into a pretty good flow or it was a learning experience for me. And, you know, the, the next time that came up, Callie, you were there, Gravity Jane's, where yeah. we were talking about the taste of water. Right, oh, and we yeah. almost went down. And yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. You, you, know, they, you had to interrupt and just say, hey. Yeah, we were all caught. We were all caught. Like me, you, and Ben, right? You said, I think you said, you're a fucking adult. Grow the fuck up. Drink, drink water. water. Yeah, and it came down, like, and it worked. And, yeah. and basically, that, from there, there, we had a pretty good system for disarming, right? Whenever we would go into battle. I can think of the next one was Phoenix when Kelly, that guy was jamming you up, but it was like a fucking gender thing or something. I have no idea. And, and we had a good cop, bad, bad cop them. And, uh, you know, we just, it started to get better from there in text. I don't think we didn't, we didn't really get into that many battles because we had a way to tactfully kind of approach these things that just kept, appro- kept surfacing. But the you know early in the early on, and we still had the problem even in the late phase of the seminar where people would just go up their own assholes. But we then it became part of the seminar, right? The clock on mind off, like we would let people do it the first round, and then you would stop, and then either Callie would go full bitch mode or text. Would go we call on. that the full hands. <laughs> she would, she would be, go full you know, hands. One of us would go. Like, hey, constructive feedback, and then one of us would be basically the ghost man who would come in and say, you know what I saw? You guys are fucking idiots, and you all are <laughs> stupid, and you you should all go to hell, yeah, and you right. should die. Yeah, right. Secretly, you're like, she is a huge bitch, but seriously, <laughs> just listen to what she's saying. But the, the message that came out was like, hey, remember, this wasn't a, this isn't for the, I can't blame the athletes. This is a coach's seminar. We're, we're testing your ability to coach and see if you can keep your athlete out of their own asshole, literally. And figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different so, seminar. <laughs> I guess. I mean, is something, something coming to your mind for you, Tex? Uh, I don't know about conflict, but essentially solid questions that caused a, a lot of thinking and then diving into it to, I guess, understand the concepts further. 
the biggest one that's coming to mind was OKC. It was you and me. And whether it was we had uh, athleticism napkin talk the night before, but the question was, I think Kevin, bearded Kevin from uh, mm-hmm. Coda, and he, he could not or I couldn't articulate well enough the difference between kind of work capacity and then replication of speed. And we are in the camp of, you know, sport is, is not, um, it's, you know, not going through the motions or staying at a pace or gaming a workout. No, it's, this is your opportunity on the field, the court, you're going to fucking take it. You're going as hard, as fast as you can to succeed in that moment. So it was then just creating, um, I don't know, just the breakdown of, uh, yes, replication of speed, sport and moments, and that's where I guess we need to build the training. Why do we condition? Well, hell, we're Mm going to accomplish three things. So then kind of bulletproofing the why do we condition argument versus just uh, exercising for reps. Yeah, go to the dark place. Well, uh, you know, I mean, Roth was always real big on the psychology of discomfort. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea that, you know, if you want to prepare for something that you, you know, that we don't know what's coming and we used kind of the football, you know, deal, like we don't know what the environment's going to be like. It's going to be hot. You don't know what's really going to happen. So if you're constantly preparing for, uh, you know, all these different variables that we don't know, I mean, we knew a lot of them, but not enough that, you know, you have to be in the psychology of discomfort where you have to be used to these, you know, awful situations because you don't know what situation is going to be coming. I mean, you might show up and play in the hottest game in NFL history. You might play in the coldest game in NFL history. So the psychology discomfort, but I also uh, went down this kind of idea and I wrote a blog post and talked to me, Johnny, years ago, the idea of durability that like I'm training to survive my task. I need the, the training has to be representative of the goal and I have to be able to, uh, you know, create this, and I'll use it again, durability factor where now the training allows me to go on and be successful over a greater period of time. Everybody just looks at training as like a one-to-one and I, you had to look at the training as like, you know, this is my way to, uh, you know, condition myself to be able to be successful farther down the road. So psychology of discomfort, uh, you know, being able to survive the task so that my conditioning is high enough so that I can come in each day and continue to train and get better that, uh, you know, if one hard training day destroys me to where I can't train for a couple days or give the type of effort, then you know what, like my GPP. And that was really when Louis Simmons, uh, you know, and that was really the first time I read about, you know, GPP and conditioning and the idea of like, if you want to train more and you want to be more effective in your training from day to day, you have to raise GPP. And actually that's kind of where CrossFit got it because, uh, when they were training, uh, Rob Wolf made the observation, I think what we're doing is training GPP here. We're trying to get everybody in generally more fit. And, uh, you know, and I think that was in the original CrossFit message board and Rob talks about it, but you know, the idea of like raise your level of conditioning so that your, you know, your opportunity to train becomes much greater, you know? I think maybe, I don't know, with life experience or just speaking with people at seminars or maybe even like what I do now, important thing to remember is when somebody asks a question, there's always a reason behind it, right? Like there's, uh, what's, what is the purpose of their question? Do they, are they really, um, do they really want the knowledge or do they have something to say? Um, if it's the, if it's the latter, they have something to say, then you can't give them information without acknowledging what they're trying to say. You have to somehow provide that validation to them, even if it's like nobody cares, right? But they, that's what they're seeking. So they're not going to hear you. They're not going to empty their cup until they think that you're drinking from their cup, right? So you have to sort of validate that before you can weasel in and actually provide them with maybe contrary information or whatever. Um, some people are just, gen- they're just genuinely just asking a question. But um, I think that's the, that's the first thing 
too. Like now looking back at seminars and hearing people maybe debate or argue, um, if I had the knowledge now is just, most people just want to be heard for the first part of their question. Um, that's the only takeaway I really Well, have. what you're talking about is uh, asking questions for validation. Correct. And we, yeah. we saw that. I mean, uh, we can go back to the guy, you remember, who was on the raw diet? Was that you? You can't remember I met a him? couple of those guys. Uh, there was one guy at Balboa. He wasn't a seminar guy. There was a dude at Balboa that would show up every 12 months. And he'd be like, <laughs> hey, check out your gym. I've heard a lot. I'm like, I fucking remember you, bro. He's like, yeah, I do this raw, raw diet. <laughs> and he dude. looked like fucking the dude from fucking uh, um, uh, Men in Black. Men, yeah, I was going to say. I, I know I know exactly. Water. Well, do you remember the guy who was trying to like lure Nate over to his house to do starting strength? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the guy lived like two blocks away. And he, Nate's like, well, why don't you just come here? He's like, no, I want you to come to my Wasn't house. Wasn't that guy you, John? <laughs> no, this guy's no. name was. Uh, uh, but he came every year, like like to buy like clockwork, Mick. like like clockwork every was twelve he months. I'm no, he was like an old like I don't know what he did, but he just wanted Nate at his house. Oh. Mm-hmm. and he's like, Nate, you ready to come to my house to lift some weights? And Nate's like, No, bro, I'm not going to your house, dude. I he's thought like, Nate was fucking crazy. I'm like, I'll do it. By the way, you have celery in your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we had a guy who uh, was like, Oh, I'm on this raw diet and this and he like was consuming oh, yeah, this yeah. concoction of like San raw Diego. milk, raw eggs and like raw cocoa. And he's like, oh, this is my elixir. And I'm like, uh, how's it going? I'm a performance of the roof. I'm like, it's odd because you're by far the weakest dude here. Yeah. Uh, you're technically the worst. And on top of it, uh, you got I smashed you. <laughs> within seconds of the conditioning. And he's and, and like that realization. And I'm like, and you look really inflamed, dude. Like I'm like looking at his ankles, like just like his skin's breaking out. I'm like, uh, you know, just without checking underneath the hood, man, just observation and what you're able to do. I think whatever you're doing, stop doing it and fucking cook your food. And he was like, well, don't you think I'm like, let me tell you, bro. Um, the second thing that man did after they got warm, when they made fire was they barbecued something and they realized this is way better. Are you telling me that raw meat caloric and, density? Yeah. I mean, we, we know that the bioavailability of, uh, of a lot of things increases as you cook it. Now don't fucking burn it to death. Like Luke Summers over here cooking oh, a steak. My fucking God. <laughs> I am so hungry. I right overcook now too. one steak and next thing you know, one steak a week? Out <laughs> <laughs> of this new grill, I don't know. No uh, dude, wonder you I, love the I crock did not. Pot. I did not know that. That, that grill totally threw me for a hey, loop. Uh, no, I've as much as I bust your balls, John. I've had some of the fucking best steaks at your hand, so yeah. I'll give you props for that. I like to think I can cook a steak, uh, but like nobody is more upset by an overcooked steak no, like no, than no. me. Like I'm like, uh, well, then yeah, like the guy serving it, you know, because yeah. there's even it's though, like slapping God in the face. Yeah, uh, yeah, overcooking a steak, uh, and that's how. Or people are like, oh, I like it well done. I'll be like, well, then I'm gonna cook it raw, and then you go put it in the microwave, which yeah. is insulting to me. Uh, but I think early on in the early CrossFit football days, we had a more pushback because people were really, you know, and and this is just my own kind of. Uh, shortcoming in that we were trying to teach somebody a different methodology than what CrossFit is teaching with a CrossFit name. So, you know, you come with CrossFit football and, you know, CrossFit increased work capacity, broad time, all domains, you know, the sport of fitness, and you go through all these little kind of pieces. And then you have us who are coming in and teaching CrossFit football, which forging powerful athletes predicated on performance and this, and just a completely different mindset with a similar name. So, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, so what is like the experience from teaching, you know, hundreds of seminars, thousands of people throughout like the, your years, what, what does that really teach you though about human nature? Right? Like, I mean, to me, that's the curious thing is you have these experiences. We all have these experiences in this niche community, but like, has it, has it translated to anything outside of that? 
in, uh, in into like a and just how like people operate, what their motives well, are. Well, I mean, uh, what their triggers are. Like, I think that I mean that's yeah, kind of the valuable uh, takeaway. I think what um, what it really gave me the opportunity to do is that uh, you know decide who you want to work with. I think that was the most interesting piece for me. Is uh, there were people, and there was every person at every seminar we went to, where like literally I showed up because that person was there, not knowing it. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people that were uh, open. The one thing that I learned so much from teaching these seminars is the idea of like the empty cup that whatever situation I go to, whether it, I mean, and I do it on this podcast all the time when, uh, when we have people on, I like mentally think about like me, like listening to their information and then filling it up and being like, Ooh, this is cool. Now I can add some flavor of my own. So, uh, whatever, um, whatever situation I go into, uh, I just become, a student in it. And, uh, you know, I, I saw, I think it was like Mike O'Hearn made a, a, a post and it was like, always be a white belt. And I thought that was a pretty good one, Ooh, but, I um, like uh, you know, but I always think about like being a student in everything I do. Like I, I did that, uh, speaking engagement in Ocala couple or last week. And there was a 86 year old guy that came over and talked to me and he was like, you know, I got drafted, uh, you know, by the Chicago white Sox, And then about 30 minutes later, I got my draft notice you know, into the army. And I, so I was a professional athlete for 30 minutes and then he went in and, you know, kind of took me through his life and he was a doctor. And, um, the people that I was with were trying to like, Hey, we got to go to dinner. And I was like, dude, I'm talking with this guy. uh, Yeah. Like I'll be there. Chill out. Yeah. And, uh, I was just so fascinated by what he had to offer in his life at 86 and doing, you know, all of these things. And, uh, he was so excited to talk to me that, um, I was like, man, I feel, uh, really honored that one, you came over and talked to me, but two, that what I might've said resonated in such a way that you felt like you wanted to come share. Yeah. So the idea of like being a student and and then the other thing, which, um, which has taken me 40 years to learn. And uh, I try to tell my daughters this every single day that enjoy the process of going from a beginner to a, to a learn deal. Like, like that process from, from uh, uninformed to informed. And like we use it, like I'll use the analogy for playing the guitar. Uh, you know, I take my daughters to the guitar lessons and then I play with them. And, um, they were like, how come I'm not better? How come I can't do this? And I try to tell them, like, enjoy the process of not being good. Like, accept, like, I'm not good, but I'm going to, like, practice and take this process of going from, like, good to, like, passable or decent in this. And I, I told them, I was like, I, I can give because you... Because it's growth and it's... Uh, but, but, but that's the thing, like... It becomes more difficult as you get older. Yeah, but, but if you can learn to love the process, uh, you have effectively unlocked... Uh, the key of like of learning and, and yeah, potential life. for anything, right? But, uh, but like, like when you go to school, right? So like I was telling them, like you guys are going to go to school and there's going to be things that you can't do. And if you in, immerse yourself and love the process of learning to the point where like, I can't do this, but now I'm going to like look forward to the process of learning this. And, and eventually I'm going to become good because I'm going to put the work in. You will effectively quantum leap every single person around you for, for life. And, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, everybody, like people are like, well, I don't want to do that cause I'm not going to be good at it. I want to do things cause I'm not good at that. And I, and I'm totally fine to be like, I suck at this today, but I'm going to absorb this information in such a way that I can become good at it. And I'm going to willing to work at it, to absorb the process and be good at it. And if you can like learn to, to humble yourself and empty your cup and do that, I think, um, the world is your oyster, you know, to use mm-hmm. my dad's saying, he'd be like, the world's your oyster. It'll open up and you'll find a pearl in there. And you just continue to just find pearls wherever you go. And, uh, I think that piece is, is really valuable. And I try to tell that to my kids every day. And I think it, people don't realize that, like, think of the shit you're so passionate about now that you wouldn't budge on. Like as much as you try to empty your cup, there's going to be a day where you're like, I remember when I used to believe in that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the, the evolution, you're, 
it's it's you can't stop it. You're gonna like perspective's gonna change. What's changed? Like from I mean, because you know you came here in 2011. That was what seven years ago. Well, I, I guess I think back to and this this is what I talked on the Logan podcast about when Logan Gilbert was on. Is just like I look at these fucking like I have friends who are just getting into this game. You know, like just getting into owning a gym, mm-hmm. first year in, second year in, and how fucking excited they are, and they have all the answers, and uh, and they're listening to everything and doing everything, right? And I'm which just, is like, great. It is, and like, but sometimes I get frustrated because I come in with a pointed, like a very acute or pointed piece of advice, which not intended to derail, just like push them down a trajectory. But I'm like, man, I was that guy. Like I was that guy, and I forget about that. And I think of like, what am I holding on to right now? Like, what is that thing that now? Is similar. Where I'm going to be like, oh, I fucking remember when I used to think athleticism mattered, you know? Or not saying that's it. Sure. Text, relax. But, like, what is it, you know? And in, in looking for that and trying to... And it all is just the same cyclical shit that we're going around, right? It's being a white belt. It's emptying your cup. It's... And in remembering, like, I don't know. I just... I'd, we would have a way to sniff out. And I think it was like, you know, whether it was Bloodhound or what, but... You could find those people and you can start to find those people now. You know, like if you're at a fucking, I'm trying to think, like, let's say we're at the barbell ball after the games and you got somebody fucking up talking to you about training, right? You get, you can sniff out pretty quickly if they're a fucking, like if they're there to learn or just like what you, what you were saying, Callie, they're just, they want to be heard. Yeah. And they want to be heard by Jean Wellborne. Well, <laughs> uh, the one thing which uh, I've always loved on people is um, whenever people like approach you and you know what they want to talk about, you always ask them, be like, so tell me about yourself. What are you into? Oh, I'm really, I'm like, uh, you know, I obviously know you like to train, yeah. but you know, like, do you have any hobbies? Like, who, like, you know, like just asking mm-hmm. him questions. And, uh, I've found that, uh, a lot of people who, uh, you know, are, you know, you can see them come over to you cause they have something they either want to battle you on or talk to mm-hmm. you about this or this. And then you kind of ask them and I'm, I'm always interested, you know, to where people came from, what their interests are, what do they do outside of this? And, when you meet people that don't do anything other than this, well, mm-hmm. I just, I, I work Red and flag. yeah. And I, I, I go to the 100%. gym, but I, I always think like, 100%. like that, that's why people always ask They're like, so, uh, uh, you know, when they're amazed at all the other things that, that I do and I'm like, yeah, I mean, uh, why wouldn't I be, uh, you know, have a, a varied skill set, and why wouldn't I always try to be able to learn new tasks? And I think the day that I stop learning is the day that you know, I stop evolving. And more importantly, I think it stymies, uh, my creativity in terms of like what we do here. I mean, um, cause like what's really been interesting for me is, is as we've added, you know, new pieces and I read new things or, you know, take on new projects or look at new things. It just kind of teaches me different things about what we're doing and realizing that, uh, regardless of what you want to do, athleticism is the ultimate pretty girl at the ball. I mean, it mm-hmm. just, it, it's the, it's, uh, you know, you standing there and seeing somebody walk in and you're like, wow, that, that's something different. And to me, uh, you can talk about fitness, strength, whatever it is, athleticism becomes the, the trump card for all of it. And I agree. So don't let my previous statement listeners impose a bit of doubt because it's the ultimate transfer of training, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or ability and skill acquisition. You can't fucking argue with that, you know? Extreme purpose. We just need training to have a purpose behind it. I mean, uh, exercise is all fun, well, great, awesome, but I don't know. What what truly separates training from exercise is that goal, whatever it is. There's a lot of people that do not have a goal, whether it's career, whether it's training, whether it's kind of, um, I don't know, I think it, socially, yeah. no goals. Yeah, I think the goal thing, the training thing, but also... 
what kills me too is if you don't have a capacity or an opportunity to test those things. That's where athleticism, Ooh. that's the ball well, ultimately. That's well, well, what, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, what Tex and I have talked about pretty extensively is that this uh, athleticism continuum, the, develop, the ability to continually develop and foster athleticism for a lifetime, uh, that curve changes over time the minute that you pull competition out of the out of the equation. Absolutely. And so like if you can continue to compete for a lifetime, then your ability to foster and develop athleticism will you know exponentially be uh, better opposed from people that don't. So finding something to compete in and people everybody needs um, you know need, needs to find some form of competition. Like beer league softball. It could be anything. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. And it, you and, and I mean I I think there's value to that and it, it could be anything and it doesn't even need to be on a team setting but it needs to be basically where somebody is put outside of their comfort zone and they have to apply all of the tools that they've used in their training or at least some of the tools, right? Um and it like it doesn't have to be as competitive as even an organized situation but um I think that that's that's the big appeal, right? Like when, or especially like an unpredictable situation, like just even you guys moving, whatever that, that axle earlier, like yeah, that, that fucking Dana 60s heavy. That is, that is application of your training, like awkward movement. It like, I mean, just watching that makes me so happy to see, like, it's like you're applying your shits, right? At least one of us was doing it effortlessly <laughs> and seamlessly. At least one. Oh, if not you me. guys could see <laughs> how your bodies were moving through well, Like a goddamn ballerina. Wish I could well, boomerang it, that. It, seamless and effortlessly, it was me in the middle because y'all were too yeah, in the end. We were doing all the weightlifting. And I just had my hands on it. Yeah, you, <laughs> right. effortless. You were the baloney baby. <laughs> uh, but I, I think you have to decide what you, what you want to compete in. Uh, that's something I think about constantly. Like, like what becomes like the competition piece for, for everybody. And, uh, for you guys, it might be, you know, beer league softball or what you want to do. Uh, for me, um, you know, like, uh, I always think like, uh, in terms of like competition, um, you know, whether it be like mental, I mean, I did physical competition for so much. Uh, I mean, frankly, if, if I could, um, you know, if you gave me an unlimited amount of money right now and said, what do you want to do? I would probably, uh, get into like racing. Actually, I would love to race in King of Hammers or like, you know, do some form of desert power racing, athlete Instagram, power racing, athlete racing, power athlete racing, which is, uh, going to be another side hustle where I think that we try to find the most insane races in the world and we go race them are we talking about foot races uh car races car or races? For, for like a, a <laughs> like like there's a race into car where they race rally cars across the desert like there's like king of hammers which uh if you guys have never been to the hammers uh i took luke a couple years ago is fucking Legit. unbelievable like desert racing rock crawling uh you know the mint the baja i mean to be able i mean shit even uh um, on what is it on Mondays? I watch uh, Street Outlaws with my kids. They love seeing the cars race. Um, you know, and that idea. How long of like, does it take to a really fast car to go from go uh, forty on, yards? Well, think about this, yards? right? Uh, yeah. So the guys on that street out. Second? So that guy. Uh, if you guys watch the Street Outlaws, which <laughs> I love, uh, for the mere fact that they make a uh, they're racing or they're racing uh, uh, eights. They're like an eighth of a mile is how far they're racing, but they make the race look like it lasts six seconds. But these dudes are really racing like you know three a little over three seconds, like three forty, three fifty, maybe three ninety. So, but they like mm. make it look like eight seconds. It's like a ten second car. No. 
Well, that's 10. So think about this. 10 yeah, sec- those guys are running like six second <laughs> fucking quarter miles. Well, yeah, I got you. But I mean, they're also uh, like the... the what, Are they precision drivers? Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, really, I mean, so my uh, Bundy, who you guys know, he won the IHRA. I and uh, But the, the thought of basically strapping yourself into this fucking rocket, like I, I always love, uh, like, you know, seeing Jeff Lutz do the um, uh, the power tour where they, they basically, you have to drive your car from racetrack to racetrack. Mm-hmm. And like they hook a trailer up to these like 4,000 horsepower fucking dragsters and they drive them around and they have to do all these different races. I don't know. I, I think things like that to me are just so fascinating because they involve not only the precision and athleticism and timing and movement of the of the actual navigator to be able to steer this machine. Then there's a whole crew of people that build and, and like set these things up. There's a guy that's doing basically the software tuning, putting the tunes in, figuring out like power to weight ratio and basically this, uh, you know, 88 millimeter turbo will put out 1,500 horsepower power and then all like the the fabrication piece so for me um i kind of look at like a lot of what i've done in terms of athleticism and developing and getting people to perform at these high levels and even for myself and i kind of see it on this like other technical side with kind of with racing which to me i think is uh is super fascinating and extremely small margin for error you gotta be on yeah, like those guys. I mean, uh, you know, if you think about those guys at a drag strip being able to hit off of a green light, now you're looking at like whose reaction time is the best. Mine. Which you know, I don't know if these guys want to play bloody knuckles with me because I will fucking. That doesn't them. fucking count. You, anything with your your hands out in front of you, you did. You spent oh, dude. ten years putting them in people's throats and eyes. Dude, and uh, shit. Uh, I like to think, and but you got to remember, from the time I'm we out. were little, we weren't allowed to. Like we would have to take car trips. I don't know mm-hmm. if I told you guys this. Uh, when we took car trips, we weren't really allowed to talk, and I couldn't read because I get car sick. And my dad didn't like to listen to the radio. So our only enjoyment was either looking out the window or we would play bloody knuckles, but oh, we weren't looking out the window, but we weren't able to make a lot of noise because then my, right uh, my parents would be lit up and fucking turn around and we'd get beat on. So I remember like sitting on the backseat playing bloody knuckles with yep. my brothers and just being like, and then like getting whacked and just being like, Luke, and, like, did, Luke didn't have brothers. I played mm-hmm. bloody knuckles with my brother and he would just destroy me. Obviously it was, but. yeah, it would start with hot hands and then hot, we would just go exactly. and, then, and then you basically just like, exactly. fuck you, let's go bloody knuckles. Starts just, with wham. hot hands and Ends with tears. Yeah, with bloody knuckles. And I think, like, from the time of playing bloody knuckles as a kid, and, uh, you know, it just it kind of put it up. So I, I look at Cashy, I'm like, when you're about six years old, I'm going to smash oh. those little fucking digits. I don't know if you're allowed to, but... <laughs> I'll be like, my dad did. used to play bloody knuckles with me when I was six and fucked me up. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, a big thing, too, is, um, you know, guys, uh, you know, and there's a host of them on the Internet with, you know, Instagram who are like, you know, talking about like how to grow businesses and that's how they want to be competitive or like how they're going to influence people. But I think um, I'm so sick of the Internet. Uh, I'm so sick of Instagram. It's it's it, has, it honestly has gotten so like crazy how many people have become life experts. Like uh, <laughs> it's the uh, we were talking about this, like the Gary V that uh, uh, I didn't know who he was. And then Luke turned me on to him and like, you know, they uh, hey, I'm going to give you the fucking hard pill. The and, business, you know, and then everybody is like a, you know, uh, or like the other guy is like Andy Frisella is, you know, over there talking about, you know, you and, you know, all you have to do. I'm like, <laughs> let me tell you, dude, all the positive, thir- all the positive thinking in the world isn't going to fucking make you a multimillionaire. Uh, you got to have an idea. You got to have side, you know, not I mean, with that attitude, John. <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's just, if you fucking really want some self-help, find yourself a community and a purpose. Like, if you just had community, purpose, train a little bit, eat healthy, you're going to live your life. Motivation 3.0. It sounds like you're trying to start your own religion right now. if you guys need any help with that, uh, my PayPal is Luke at Power Athlete HQ. Right, I will be your leader here. No, but I mean, uh, uh, at some point, there's going to be what I call a cult of moderation. Right. That's what oh, kind of, yeah. like, that's what I'm looking for. Yes. Right. A cult to moderation where it's going to be like, Hey, what's the middle of the road take on all this stuff? Cause I was watching like Mark Bell, the war on carbs. I was seeing uh, Rob Wolf had uh, Sean Baker on who's like, you know, the carnivore dude who only eats meat. And I'm like, Hey, he's like, Oh, I have a, a year of blood work to back it up. And I'm like, uh, like, believe me, I like eating steak as the most part, but I also like to look at my plate and see that there's some steak. I like to see some green vegetables, some cruciferous vegetables, and I also like to see some other color. Just, uh, and get me wrong, the majority of my plate is usually consumed, you know, fixed up with like, you know, some form of, uh, you know, animal-based protein. But like, where's the balance piece? You know, like. I know. That's one of my most favorite Wellbornian quotes is the like cult of moderation where things just start to swing where, Eventually, hopefully, there'll be like some normalcy, but that'll be such a niche community who no. wants that normalcy. I think it well, you'll is. you'll be <laughs> uh, uh, right here. We call it uh, uh, don't don't you remember in what was it? It was uh, the pagans, people against goodness and normalcy. You remember in uh, Dragnet? <laughs> don't forget your goat leggings. That's how I feel. Like all these people are is like it's so extreme, and then you think like um, I, let them be extreme. Nobody cares. Like I just don't care anymore. Hey. I don't honestly. Yeah. I because it does. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing matters. No, no. Shut the fuck up about whatever fucking thing you're talking about on the internet. <laughs> Seriously. All I want to see. Nobody cares. All, all we want to see is Yarnisha do booty blasters. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys don't know who Yarnisha is, she's the uh, uh, Puerto Rican Colombian queen. Puerto Rico. Uh, she kind of. I mean, dude. She. I, I. I don't know if it's plastic surgery or she's part Oompa Loompa, but like those proportions are pretty insane. And it's called, it's called your mama. And uh, her makeup perfect all times, and she's just wearing spandex. Just doing booty blasters all day, and I'll tell you, you know what? That's by far the greatest contribution to the internet. It's just girls <laughs> just doing booty blasters. Uh, I'm much more it's interested. So comical. I'm so much happier seeing girls doing booty blasters than listening to some guy give the the hard pill about you know you need to Definitely. do this and you know this why? and your wife is fucked up because you're not doing this and being because like, there's no pretense to what those girls are doing. They are just simply ass out. These guys are are trying to put on some guys that they're giving actual information that's valuable. At least those girls know their insta hoes and they, they just they just yes. fucking own it and that's great to me because it's genuine as opposed to like this there's this, no deception yeah there's no deception and you're not they're not a fucking expert they're just sl- slutty hens to hoes and it's it's great did to you me. call them hens I, no, no. I heard hens to no. hoes that's, that's what I heard hens to hoes hens to hoes big booty hens to hoes <laughs> is that uh, your Instagram handle <laughs> no that's her side hustle Hins- yeah this but, booty uh, blasting but Kelly Hensman like, like and, and th- this is kind of interesting like uh, I always think like let's say you're you know at home and and you know your whole Got world's it. you know coming down and <laughs> and like you know you're trying to figure out how to kind of you know keep persevering and you click on Instagram and you hear you know I don't know the hard pill you know from one of these guys who's like you know I'm going to tell you how it is and help you do this uh, do you think that all of a sudden they hear this information and like the light comes on they're like you know, oh my god this saved me in like my Maybe. darkest moment even though people say that shit on their pages I don't really think that know. like no. people are like oh you know this information you talked about me gave me a positive mindset so now I'm you know I was able to go through and do this I, I, I just Maybe, don't though. I don't know Maybe. And then does that make it worth it? Well, uh, but, but, but I don't think, I don't think it is the 
the phrase or they, they tune into that motivational Instagram, it, they've hit rock bottom. They've already made the decision and then that's... The catalyst? The, what starts a, a positive loop, a feedback loop. And that maybe they think that, but I, I think it's it happens. Rock bottom is actually my Insta handle. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 that's funny. that's actually where all your boy uh, ex boyfriends meet, and they have a you know kind of a collective deal. It's all called rock bottom. So uh, is like, rock bottom a like collection the- of Insta hoes working on their bum? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, but I, Good thing I took I edit. a sociology course, and I can't tell you anything about the class except I remember the professor telling us the story of how he quit smoking. And it, he went into a terrible night of drinking. He smoked a whole pack of cigarettes, and he was at rock bottom, and then he never touched a, a cigarette again. So people get... I don't know if these, these motivational videos work or not, but I think the well, people that are motivated by them... We watched... Uh, reach the end. There's nowhere to go at no, all. We yeah. watched some Tony Robbins. You remember we were at the old Balboa? Mm-hmm. We, we were watching uh, when we were packing shirts. We put on some Tony Robbins. He's Banana. actually... Uh, he's a... Perf- he is a impressive dude. Uh, he's a phenomenal speaker. The yeah. uh, the guy... Cesaro Wellborn. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arthur Joseph, who, who I met um, at an NFL deal and I worked with a few times. He worked with Tony for a number of years to help him craft his message and how to present. Yeah. And uh, the guys that Arthur Joseph has worked with, I always would love to have gone back and worked with him more. But um, have you seen his uh, Netflix special? Yeah, Yeah, that's what we watch. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good, right? Like now, but the people that come to Tony Robbins are people that are looking for 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 somebody like like there's a life change. Like the people that show up there are people that are open to it. And I think like if you want to make a change, you got to be open to it. it. That that whole process fascinates me. But they take you away to a beautiful place, an island, and you no caffeine, no alcohol, no nothing. So uh, well, actually, to... they make you eat a vegetarian diet because well, know they that. know that if you don't, if you're eating a vegetarian diet, it changes the chemistry of your brain and makes you more susceptible to information. To wa- wanting meat. <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, that's why if you look at all of these cults, like, uh, you know, the Heaven's Gate cult and, uh, you know, all these different cults, they're always usually vegetarians because meat eaters tend to be a little more aggressive and a little more uh, apt to find bullshit. That's what power athlete needs to do then. We need to pivot. We need to pivot. We'd get way more followers. hundred uh, percent. We would. We, yep. Without a doubt, yeah. we would. Eat the wheat. Just <laughs> literally praying uh, Finally on. got that off my fucking chest. Kazam! <laughs> you stay up all night thinking of that one? Oh, uh, God. A few weeks. Boom! Um, people that are wanting to make a change, I think they're ready for it. And, like, you know, you have to be ready for it. I, I just... Gotta want it. Uh, Gotta want it. I just uh, think, like... I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I just feel like it's so contrived in so many ways. But at the end of the day, man, uh, as the as the, the great Ingo B says, you do you, I'll you do, do me. You. No, what does he say? You do you, player, I'll do me. Play. And I think that uh, that's a great thing. I don't know. So the real question is, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? Of course. Harry Carey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is Next. that a is that one of the Harry Carey things? I don't. Think I know so. if the moon was made of cheese. Wow! <laughs> 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 what does he say? Harry Carey passed away. I watched it down with a cold bloodlust. I dude, uh, Will Ferrell's Harry Carey is actually better than Harry Carey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are there any? Do we have any questions on the feed? Oh, well, there's a lot of questions. We Bang them. Let's do it. That we want to answer. Uh, machine I, gun. Machine gun. I suggest we start with the movie question. Okay. 
So, gentleman's wife is Japanese, mm-hmm. and she has never been exposed to American movies. So he's asking us, "Hey, give us a list for her to begin." What's the exposure. desired? What's the desired end state? <laughs> like, do we want to continue to keep right. her off the American movies? Uh, <laughs> I I think to really, you know, as I've stated, uh, you know, Todd Stewart's belief, my uh, my roommate, my rookie year in uh, at Cal, that if you watch Fletch enough, you can effectively take somebody who is not funny and teach them humor. With enough opportunities but to watch But what's the Fletch. goal here? Is it to like introduce her to uh, American movies? Right. So we need something that exemplifies like what the American either sense of humor uh, is. Caddyshack. Or... I'm Caddy going Shack? with I'm going Caddyshack. How about yeah. something like more current? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> what? That's, That's no. still 20 years old. No. But it's not 30 years old. Uh, no. Well, I think Caddyshack is quite possibly one of the greatest movies ever made. And Fletch. You know, if we could, uh, you know, the problem is we can't really have humor like that anymore. Mm-hmm. There's some truth to Let's that. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's just pick a movie and move on. <laughs> mm, Shawshank Redemption. Oh my God! Just to up. Uh, how about Schindler's like, List? While we're at it, just uh, great choice. Uh, Pearl Harbor, Schindler's List, and uh, Shawshank. No. Well, she's Japanese, right? We need to know about no. you know that type of stuff. Too, uh, too soon. Ben Goodwill Affleck. Hunt. Goodwill ben, Hunting. Ben Affleck's Pearl Harbor. The town. Yeah. The yeah. town. <laughs> You're just naming movies now. You're randomly. on Ben Affleck IMDb. See. Uh, I actually like him in The Town. Jiggly. Um, and I'm not, he directed it. I'm not really a Ben Affleck fan, but I did like The Town. Oh. And I like Goodwill Hunting. American movies. I don't know. Uh, Goodwill Hunting. I got to go Speed. Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> you speed know I'm going to say that. Speed 1. Cans. Cruise Control. <sighs> yeah. Speed. Cans. The just cans. Just cans. So we got no answer for that. So yeah, no, we're, we're leaving that one. Tell him, look, way every movie go, made in, Jack, a, in the year of 1994. Go. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, has Tex found a date for Luke's wedding yet? And have I was you? like, uh, we have not confirmed, but please send any submissions to Kelly at powerathlethq.com. And my inbox has never been... <laughs> <laughs> Empty. Finish it. I, I, Finish what you're no, saying. I, can't I need this audio bit. I was going to say. Uh, I like this one. If you had, if you had to describe yourself as a cut of meat, <laughs> what would you be and why? I just told myself there's an inbox drought. <laughs> Do you hear the wheezing? Yeah. yeah, that's when you know she's really loud. Well, I was going to say, I was like, boy, uh, stop smoking cigarettes there if I can see fucking, uh, uh, see Henny. See Henny. So I'm going to start calling you fucking. <laughs> oh my God. Cindy's over there tearing the fucking filters off of her uh, Marlboros. <laughs> God. Uh, I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. Cut the fat, you cut the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with, uh, I would be a, gr- a nice portion of ground beef. For what? I, I figure you're a copy you fucking never, tomahawk. Because you never know what you're going to get fucking packed in there, right? <laughs> could be some cow tongue. Uh, are you sure you're not an eight-ounce sirloin from Outback? Mm, I could be. <laughs> oh. Nothing wrong with that. I'd be proud to I'm, be I'm happy to have I love fucking oh, Outback. Man. Especially compared Bloom, to a Kobe tomahawk. Bloomin' onion. Mm. What was the question? Uh, nobody if knows. If you were a piece okay. of meat, what would you oh. eat? And would you eat yourself? Uh, it's just like the hot dog one. Yeah, Kelly's a bottom sirloin. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's a good cut. Okay. Yay. Uh, what's a more functional, cool, has great potential to grow fan base on Instagram? Luke Summers' homeless beard 
or functional coach tucked in shirt? Ooh. I was going to go with a third option with um, uh, Logan's white hipster hat that I uh, saw a hipster <laughs> at the airport wearing that exact hat. And I sent was you guys it? a picture. Was it Logan? Uh, no, this guy was wearing sweatpants. Uh, he was wearing like 80s Nike running shoes um, with a leather jacket. And then he was wearing a big white kind of uh, cowboy sombrero Logan-esque hat. Those hats are custom made that Logan has, though. Those are like pretty nice hats, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I, th- I think that his shirt tucked in deal is legit. Oh, yeah. I think that's his baseball back- background, though. That's what I'm gathering from that. Okay. I like the shirt tucked in. All right. Uh, who would be the best teacher of power athlete other than John Wellborn? John <laughs> Wick, John Rambo, or Johnny Utah? Well, I'm a hack, so I'm going to go with uh, John Rambo. Utah. Johnny Utah. Wick. Give me two. Wick. Well, that would be uh, Pappas, who okay. would by far be a better teacher for power athlete and it's more accurate. It's actually a more yeah, accurate representation <laughs> of being power athlete coach is Pappas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Rambo, John Jay. I, you know, you think about the war of attrition. I mean, he's our guy. Yeah. Uh, whose side do you take in the big David Lee Roth Van Halen split? Oh, Van Hagar. Easy. David Lee Roth <laughs> or Van Halen. Also, who wins in a fight between Lemmy or God? Well, the second part's a trick question because Lemmy is God. There you go. Uh, and uh, I think I, I, I got to dig up, but I have a picture of me and Lemmy somewhere. I may have to dig Whoa. that one up. Uh, but I think really, um, having met Eddie Van Halen, I'm going siding with David Lee Roth on this. I'm still, Ooh. I'm Camp Van Hagar. Better songs. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've always been a David Lee Roth fan and I think, uh, you oh, know, he rocks. If we had like dream podcast list, guest list, <laughs> David Lee Roth is on there because you know, he's got some stories. Uh, dude, also a very talented martial artist and then used to just do crazy martial arts, uh, like routines on stage with swords and crazy shit. I'm a big David Lee Roth guy. I like it. Hot for teacher. One of the best ones ever. <laughs> I have no opinion. Second that. Uh, what was the best year of movies? 1994. God We've damn already it. settled this. We've already yeah. argued this, and just... I'm pretty sure Bert Soren and I curb stomped you on this. No way. What, <laughs> what um, year did um, Love Actually come out? <laughs> more of a notebook guy. <laughs> you know uh, what movie was on last night that I love, similar to Shawshank? Uh, Finding Forrester. Never seen it. you never seen it with Sean Connery? Mm-mm. It's uh, it, it, it's kind of like um, I guess the tale would be uh, uh, the guy who wrote Catcher in the Rye, who is uh, JD Salinger. Yeah, J, JD Salinger, who wrote one book and then basically disappeared. So like the Finding Forrester is this pretty famous writer, uh, William Forrester, uh, writes all these books and has kind of a Catcher in the Rye type tale, and then kind of becomes a recluse over a number of years in this like New York City apartment. Uh, this like pretty sharp, you know, you know, young black kid basketball player um, ends up like living next door to him, and kind of like they become friends and then he ends up you know getting a scholarship to go to this like high-end prep school that actually Forrester went to and he kind of works on his writing and it's 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 a phenomenal movie and like I'm always a Sean Connery fan but like that like finding Forrester is uh is like a Shawshank for me so I love that movie um so what else uh what are you training for right now any plans to display your athleticism in competition well we got yeah uh, you guys get your beer softball league. Uh, mm-hmm. what we're advancing to beer basketball league. Uh, right. And then Callie has her uh, daily deal of uh, <laughs> of uh, fucking hawking perps for, uh, you know, stolen Tic Tacs. Accurate. So uh, how fast can McQuilkin shoot the lacrosse rock? 75. Um, I play defense. Uh, top cheese. He's got the lettuce. I don't know. I what. got flow. So is, is that a uh, lacrosse term, cheese and lettuce? Uh, we got mm-hmm. flow. We got lettuce. We got bounce. I think more of a bounce guy, but 
Yeah. When your hair flows from the back of your helmet, mm. that's the lettuce. That's the flow. So just. All right. Okay. What conspiracy theories do each of you Finally. believe in? Jesus. Uh, man, I, which one should I pick? All right. Well, just give me one. Just what's your top conspiracy theory right now? Oh, God. Oh, God. Hmm. I don't know, man. Are, are you still on the Paul Walker Illuminati? No. <laughs> <laughs> that the Illu- Why did the Illuminati get rid of Paul Walker? Man. Why did they shoot a missile at his parked Porsche? Well, his Porsche was doing like 300 miles an hour and hit a pole. Mm-hmm. But, the weird, but, but the weird part is the pole was moving in the middle of the street. So. I don't know. I saw <laughs> Luke, Luke showed me a video with a rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of. Lot Why of was somebody there. filming Paul Walker just driving at that moment? I mean, I, here's the thing about these things. I don't know that I inherently believe, like, believe any of it, but I think it's a valuable exercise to take on that belief and so, talk and try to talk with somebody about it. Uh, well, I what's, do. What's the I, okay. opposite of disagreeableness? Because well, Luke believes so, everything. So let's let's <laughs> let's figure this out a little bit, right? The CIA actually patented and put out the term conspiracy theory and they released that after Kennedy's that assassination. That is in and of itself a conspiracy No, it's theory. not. That's actually a truth <laughs> that the that the CIA coined the term conspiracy John, theory. Just empty your cup and for And they one put it out there uh, because people were, you know, seeing the Kennedy assassination and that was how they were able to dispel the people being like, ah, oh, we think that, you know, the CIA or, you know, some other nefarious group killed Kennedy. So what they would do is they would label these people as conspiracy theorists to kind of, um, you know, basically erode them. Uh, I actually, it's not a conspiracy, but um, I think one of the largest thefts of the American people was the uh, Federal Reserve, which is not part of the government and not a reserve. And if you look at like the Federal Reserve Act, which was signed, I think like, December 24th, you know, and like some weird deal. But like, if you look at that piece, um, how the Fed, uh, you know, think about like the bailout for the banks, how we gave the Federal Reserve trillions of US dollars with zero oversight. And we're not allowed to ask at all how they spent the money or what they did with it. Mm-hmm. Can I add to the movie suggestion list? Conspiracy theory starring Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big one that's pretty good that, that I always think is pretty interesting is all the 9-11 stuff. I've I've heard it from everything that like the planes didn't hit that they didn't hit. I mean like the conspiracy things of the 9/11 are pretty pretty amazing. My personal favorite is how they found the passport of one of the hijackers. Mm-hmm. That was that was one of my favorites. They're like, we found his passport. I'm like, mm, okay, so everything got vaporized. And then people go in and they're like, oh, jet fuel can't burn steel. It doesn't get hot enough. How did these things fall down? They had a controlled demolition from another. Uh, I remember like all of a sudden in the afternoon, one of them just randomly fell down. And they're like, oh, we've been planning to demo that one. So I think there's a lot of things that were available on that one. That make it a little conspiracy theorist. I think this is going to be probably a fucking cop out. Okay, so bear with me. Just that there is no, like, that there could not possibly be one of these fucking theories, like, true. Now, I'm not saying 9-11. I'm not saying any of this, like, fake school shooting shit or, like, uh, 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 crisis actors or, like, what are the hot, fucking flat earth. Oh. I don't know that that's, like, come on. Is that, that, a, that, that, that is a massive conspiracy because what but they're assuming what is we've at, been sold something mm-hmm. that there's a massive conspiracy to keep that information away from us. But I don't, like, usually a conspiracy, like, there has to be somebody to benefit. Like, 9-11. Okay, so, so uh, if 9-11 was an inside job and we did it, what was the result? Uh, we've been in a war for the last 20 years. And mm-hmm. if you look at a wars of occupation or usually transfers of wealth, think about the, imagine, uh, the amount of wealth that's been transferred from the American tax people or taxpayers to private corporations because of the war. It's 
trillions of dollars. So I can at least see that. But like when I look at like uh, certain things like flat earth, mm-hmm. who benefits from the earth being flat versus round? How oh, does it I change know. anything? Are you saying, well, like it just doesn't like to me, I don't know. And they might be like, oh, NASA. I'm like, well, NASA didn't have any money either. Mm-hmm. So like, like what are we funding here? So this uh, is like a lot less, uh, I guess, tragic, but what's the, clearly the outcome is a difference, but there is software companies, especially social media pay millions and millions of dollars to implement algorithms and tactics, psychological tactics to keep us on our phone. Right. And yeah. It, it's the, down the, to like five seconds or something. Yes. yes. And it's, you know, the, the, there is, I think what I understand to be proof of this and there's, I've got friends that work, have worked in Facebook and can, and have validated it. So I have firsthand knowledge. So you have a whole fucking company organized to do this, to, to pull this attention span. So there are teams crafty enough to fucking change the psychology of a whole population with technology like a smartphone. What's to say you couldn't do that with creative media outlets, right? Well, so I, I think I just think just the, um, the, what I'm against or what what uh, astonishes me is that people are so sure that this shit couldn't happen. You so, know what I mean? Rather than well, just maybe con- well, just consider well, it. So, Not that it even fucking so, changes our so lives. So there is a uh, there there's a group of the original like Google and Facebook people, and I uh, will we can put the URL in the show notes that basically came together to create this, uh, this like nonprofit that is exactly fighting against what mm-hmm. you're talking about, that they've worked with some really high level, uh, psychologists and some very sharp people on how to like design these things in such a way to create this like, uh, separation anxiety where all of a sudden, like, you know, you haven't checked it for five seconds. And mm-hmm. if they can keep your attention span constantly checking with it and they've, I mean, this is, I think they've spent uh, a fortune trying to get this down to like, cause I remember it was like nine seconds and it was seven. And if they can get it to five, then they know mm-hmm. that this translates to dollars. I mean, if you're a company that's, you know, worth billions of dollars, uh, you know, investing in this technology, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where like, you know, the fear of missing out becomes like this, like, you know, uh, emotional deal where you have to connect to this thing. I think that is a very, like a very real business pursuit and something that people are going to invest money in. So like, I don't think that's a conspiracy in any mm-hmm. way. I think that's just a fucking function of reality. Well, it's, it's be self-aware, right? If, if you didn't know that already, now that you have that information, move forward. My problem with the whole, yeah, you can, I mean like you said, you can acknowledge these conspiracy theories. You can acknowledge what technology companies are doing, but now that you have that information to me, to me, it's about economy of intellect, right? It's the people who spend their, all of their free time Mm -hmm. and maybe even some of their, what they should be using as productive time, um, fixating on these things. And like, kind of like you said, John, like what's the purpose, like the flat earth, like what is the, yeah, yeah, what is the result? And that, and that's what bothers me. And I, and that's why I hate perpetuating some of the, I hate it way more than you, Luke, like perpetuating some of the conspiracy theories and that kind of thing, because what, what is the productivity of that? And if there is any, then fucking figure that out and, and follow that line of thinking. Right. Um, that's, that's my whole issue. Okay. And here's, here's something that's not a conspiracy theory is actually reality. Um, you know, we had a situation with the, with the, um, the shooting up at that school in Florida and you have these kids that are like, you know, we're going to, we're going to change. I mean, you know, one week we're eating Tide Pods, the next one we're over here trying to change the world in terms of 
getting rid of guns. And they were like, you know, I, I heard these kids who super idealistic and I'm so happy that they are trying to find a way to exercise what they view as their rights and try to make their change. And I'm always up for anything that involves change. The problem becomes is they probably should have sit in on their government and their civics class and realized that the way our political system works is that the, the politicians and the people that we have elected to represent us are not representing us because we do not give them money. The way that our, the deal is structured with campaign contributions and who funds them is special interest. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have, uh, you know, you're an elected representative in, uh, you know, a small district or whatnot, and you get, you know, maybe a, you know, $10,000 in total campaign contributions. And then you have a, a major player, like a major, you know, private interest group come through and write you right. a half a million dollar check that that money guarantees that you get reelected. Right. Uh, you all, can have your constituents bang their bang hands, hands on the table. And you're like, uh, want, yeah. if I don't get that 500 K right. from this guy, I'm not going to be here next week. So I'm going to do what he wants. Not what these guys want. So what these kids don't realize is instead of arguing and fighting and trying to get rid of guns, what they should be looking for is term limits and a change of the way that the, our elected representatives make money and being like, uh, it should be illegal for special interests to give more than $1,000 to any person. We should be able to have term limits. I mean, we, we term limit the president, but yet we have people that have been in Congress for 40 some years. Like, how is it like, the, like, uh, people that are, uh, you know, uh, were born, you know, born at a different time. And those are our elected officials because people are too lazy to realize like, maybe we should vote somebody else in. Yeah. So like, while I appreciate these kids, you know, wanting to take guns in this, they don't realize that. And everybody loves to blame the NRA, but the NRA, just like any other business gives a lot of money to get people elected. And when they need something done, you know what they do? They pick up the phone and that motherfucker picks up his phone because they have written him a check. Yeah. So, uh, if you're going to want to get rid of guns and you want to be basically exercise your political rights. And a lot of those kids weren't even 18 years old, but they're like, we're going to be 18 in a few years. And you know, those politicians said, fuck you. But you know what? Because you're not ready to buy, uh, if you're not going to vote today, I might not be here in two years. And by the time you're ready to vote to, for me to, you know, decide what you want, I'm probably going to be out because these the people that have paid to get me elected are not there. So uh, the it's far more the, systemic. It, well, yeah, but it's like yeah. you know everybody looks at everything one to one, and like a lot of these the politicians in Washington, uh, and I know this because I had a friend who was in Congress said that nobody there is interested in uh, you know basically. Um, you know, the will of, or the, the desires of the people within their, you know, you know, within their demographics or, I mean, not their demographics, but like district. Yeah. Their districts, like their constituents, they're not concerned with those people. They're concerned with what special interest is giving them because those are the people that are getting them elected and nobody's there to try to like make it better or whatnot. They're there to save their own ass. So if you want to like fix this thing and you want to like, you know, de-arm the population and what this and I, uh, you know, but and, that's, I mean, but, but that's something I think, Again, as I get older and I have more life experience, I sort of realize, and not to get too galactic on, on this shit, but that's where I realize I, I have control over where my hand reaches, who I speak with, mm -hmm. and you guys, it's kind of like power athlete. You guys, the network of people and the things that you touch and the, the people that you touch and the things you do, that has far more impact sure. than, um, you know, than I think probably we even realize, but that, that's, that's where you, you can well, see actionable shit take place. Well, so, so like a big debate going on right now is like, um, you know, if you look at like the second amendment, which is amazing because people love praying the second amendment, but then I usually ask them like, do you know the third amendment? Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
No. I'll be like, oh, it was that uh, as a citizen of the United States, I no longer have to quarter military in the houses because when what would happen was when we would send over or the British would send over their troops, they would basically be like, they're staying, you had to put them up, you had to feed them yep. and put them up. So think about this, right? Our, our, our founding fathers, the top three are, you know, for uh, our Declaration of Independence, you know, these like, you know, massive things are, are pillars is what? Freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, and you don't have to house military in your home. So, like, think about, like, the, the perception of what these guys are doing. Be like, we want to say what we want to say. We need, uh, uh, we need a well-exercised uh, militia because the idea was, as I believe, um, there was always a fear that if we had a standing army, that the army could be used to uh, basically take over. So, like, the founding fathers are always against this idea of a standing army. So the idea of a well-regulated militia, and that could be a different interpretation. I could be wrong. You know, that, uh, you know, as a private citizen, you should be a, a weapons owner. You should be the right to bear arms. And you should be proficient, which means that you know how to use them. And that in the event that tyranny happens and something happens, you can be called out to act in the, in the defense of tyranny. And so, like, I fucking hear these people be like, oh, like, uh, they keep relating the Second Amendment to hunting. And they're like, oh, you should, you know, the Second Amendment. I'm like, dude, there's nothing in there about hunting. Hunting was, uh, uh, has been part of our culture for eternity. Yeah. So, uh, like, where, where is it's, that piece? It's not even noteworthy. Yeah, it's, but, like, people are like, oh, you still should be able to use that to hunting. I'm like, there's no fucking hunting in the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Like, if the, the day that you deny my right to hunt, like, that doesn't even, like, that doesn't even compute for me. But the idea that a well-regulated militia and the right to bear arms, and then they're like, oh, the uh, uh, the militia or the Second Amendment doesn't pretend, protect an AR-15. And I'm like, um, well, and they, they were like, you know, the war, uh, weapons of war. And I'll be like, well, those of you guys that have actually been in the army or know, the military uses fully automatic weapons, right? They very rarely put them on full auto, uh, but we don't really have access to those weapons. So we have, you know, the military doesn't use semi-automatic weapons. So like, it's kind of a, they're like, there's so many splitting of hairs, but at the end of the day, like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, if we raise the, uh, the rate or the age limit to 21 years old, then, you know, then, then this will be a problem. And I'm like, uh, I don't think that any of these issues are, are going to fix anything. The biggest problem comes down to, um, they looked at all the school shooters, right? No father in the home. No, no positive, I was just about to no say, positive male figure. You know what? Uh, just like, raise your kids, kids properly. Yeah, don't raise them up to be little fucking assholes. Yeah. And you know what the other thing is? Is parents want to sleep shit under the cover. Um, you know, like your kid's a fucking weirdo and he's this and this and this. And people are like, oh, well, you know, we didn't think like... Be fucking proactive. Talk to your kids. Yeah. Right. If they're hurting and there's a problem and you see something coming down, like fucking don't be the person that has to get the phone call that your kid went and shut up to school. Like uh, to me, it just um, it's it's indicative of a bigger problem, because when you look at this, uh, this wasn't a reality for me growing up. They said, if you're about 40 years old, this wasn't your reality. This mm-hmm. has only happened after Columbine, which was what, in like 99. Yeah, 99. And like, how did this happen? And like, they started kind of tracing like the war, you know, the internet. And they were like, oh, it's vi- it's violent video games. Oh, I'll be like, I don't know. We played violent video games, dude. Uh, we played all that stuff. I remember playing, you know, Punch Out. I but, remember shooting games. But even still, violent video games. If you co- if it comes down to parenting, right? You have you have control to unplug that shit and tell your kid, hey, I want you to get outside. Here's a ball. Go do mm-hmm. something, right? I, well, my, my position is, and I don't know, like this is totally unsubstantiated, John. We talked about it dozens of times that it's this culture of convenience is really fucking opening up a lot of free time to fuck off and you know idle time is the devil's workshop or right idle hands absolutely so it, like i just if you had to fucking go get your own food and water and you couldn't go to the fucking market absolutely none yeah. of this is a real fucking yep. or or like i like yep. i like that girl there was a, i think it was something about a girl in africa and she was like you know um 
uh, like being able to go to school was like a big deal. And so she had to get up at three in the morning mm-hmm. because she had to literally, it was like run like three and a half Walk. hours or something to, yeah. to like to the bus mm-hmm. to get to, to get to school and then came back they dropped her off at four and she would like have to travel like run walk whatever it is back home to get home like and mm-hmm. she did this to basically go to school and i'm thinking to myself i'm like you well, don't yeah. have time no imagine to- if you just got you okay listen i don't know i'm not anti-gun shocker right but imagine you're fucking dropped in the woods and you could pick like three things to fucking survive and you know like and you have to go hunt you're gonna want a fucking gun, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, I'll tell you this: to- uh, I would take a uh, uh, some way to start fire. I would mm-hmm. take a uh, like some form of like hatchet or large knife, and I would take a, a some actually probably a, a lever action weapon. Right. So you know? yeah, the crossbow, bow and arrow, some shit like that. Yeah. I mean, but but like for me, uh, like I like hunting with a lever action because um, you know it just. I don't know. But I don't know. I just, it, the big thing, and I don't like. Oh, and then the people are like, "Oh, like they an don't." Saying that though, but you know, because we're we, it's a it's a luxury, and you know, we're we're considered a world power because we have this free time and these luxuries, and it's just I, I feel like it contributes to that fucking problem, and we got nothing better to do than fucking whine and complain about shit, Callie, that we can't control, right? <laughs> Whereas if we would just text. You know, focus on our own room, the old Jordan Peterson. No, what? You know? What's yeah. the one? Uh, like, um, I think I saw there was a, a I forgot who it was, but uh, recently a guy that was like, start with making your bed. Uh, yeah. It was, um, I think it was a general, it was somebody yeah. you know, during a, like a graduation. Yeah, speech. and and he's like, you want to be an adult? Start first thing in the morning making your bed. So well, like, um, you know, like I, I appreciate that perspective because it it it's not you're ejecting your opinion on other actions in the world. It's all right. We're going to start with our room making our bed. And I'm going to fix me because it's within my reach. Well, I mean, Correct. if you go back to Michael Jackson, wasn't it? I'm looking. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Ooh, oh God, nice, John. Wait, right, Callie, this is where we cross. Yeah, let's. In. Yeah, let's put in. <laughs> looking for right, but I mean, uh, like karaoke, like that's a piece where you know, like uh, everybody and the the internet has given everybody the opportunity to uh, make comments on other people's Including information. Including us, God. It's, it's not just the internet. Though. I, I'll tell you this, John. The fortunate thing about traveling is we got to experience other cultures mm-hmm. and how amazing fucking freedom is honestly yeah and uh being i don't being know about to you. south korea twice i don't know i i don't know about you guys but uh uh getting my crotch rubbed by tsa every time i go through their deal freedom is, yeah but if you freedom. just if you you were asking yeah, for them to do that yeah and they, do they'll, they won't do it no even <laughs> when i've i've gone through their fucking full body scan i'll take the crotch rub please uh, <laughs> every time the guy's like uh your crotch area comes up and i'm like yeah that piercing i'm like <laughs> the guy's like uh some tight underwear huh i'm like get in there feel it get up get in there uh, what's I, underwear i actually wrote a letter to tsa telling them um i don't think that it's appropriate that tsa feels me up as much and they were like well you're on a five-year hiatus i'm like uh, <laughs> you're on a terrorist watch list well no i i went through security with a magazine and they fucking popped me we're not talking yeah to no people, shit man. what why did you have a magazine because I have a concealed carry, and I put my gun, and the magazine was hiding in my bag. Mm-hmm. Hiding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not good. No, and they fucking hemmed no. me up. No, it's they not denied, hiding. And you they, forgot it was there. Yeah. It's not like it went into your bag without well, you knowing. Yes, you it did. <laughs> it did. I think Luke you know put it in there. Conspiracy. That's the conspiracy that Luke C-O-N-spiracy. Right but they, um, yeah, so now I'm, I'm not allowed to get pre-checked, so then, therefore, I have to get my balls felt up every time I go through. Oh. So now, now, so now what get I do. To, get to, John. So get now to. what I do is uh, I just opt out. 
And I walk <laughs> over to the guy. I'm like, I'm not going through. I want to get felt up. Let's get this. Let's make this weird. And then the guy gives me the whole speech. He's like, I'm going to go with the back of the hand. I'm like, you can go with the palm. I don't care. I'm go good. Palm. Now, some, don't forget to cup the balls. Some yeah. of these stories we do tell are slightly exaggerated on this podcast. This is not one of this them. This is not <laughs> one of them. I over the We've traveled seven or eight times in the past few months, right? Yeah. And they, they go... They get up in Jay Welly shit. Like, oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I've done it both ways. I've gone through their scan both. machine and yep. literally, uh, yeah. I turn both. around as I walk through. The guy looks and you see a look on the face. I'm like, it's the crotch again, isn't it? A he's question like, of etiquette. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Do I give you the <laughs> right? And and, the and and like like the guy's like this, and I'm like, and it's so awkward because what they have to do is they have to like rub my crotch and then they feel up the inner thigh to the point where I'm like, you know what? Let's just get this out of the way. I'm just gonna tap out of your thing, dude. Well, John, as a person who has administered multiple strip searches, <laughs> I can on. tell you. I'm basically a doctor now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wrecked him. Yeah. Damn near You're killed. killed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah. So they have to be thorough because who knows what you're hiding. But here's the thing, right? Uh, Another magazine if, might have hid. If I'm hiding something, I'm not going to open myself up to fucking self-check. Yeah, okay. I, I get it. But but that's what you want them to think. <laughs> but think about this, right? I'm not question I, what I have did, a concealed I have a concealed weapons permit right we're second amendment we uh, believe in this but TSA hems me up because I brought a magazine through security it just does anybody here care about the rules if, if anybody here is listening that works for the TSA and can help me please send an email to Cali at uh, powerathletehq.com oh stop using mm-hmm. my email address mm-hmm. uh, you know submissions pantless submissions any type of things <laughs> to slip in the DM who wants a barbecue slide into the Should DMs we go get oh my god lunch? let's so go eat ladies great. and gentlemen this is a hard stop if you've it's made it hard, this far yeah. you must really be a fan yeah. and this is where we plug ourselves if you like this podcast Tell a friend about it. Rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music or... Not that any of it even matters, though. I'm with you, Callie. Trust me. But, Callie, thanks for being on the show. Uh, (laughs) Great guest. John, great guest. Thanks for being featured this week, John. John. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Always good to have you when you can make it. (laughs) And that's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. continue the joke (laughs) that's it that is a joke okay bye now it's time for you to empower your performance a special thank you goes out to all of those who have supported and spread the word about power athlete radio if you have guest suggestions comments feedback or you want to be texas date to luke's wedding you can email me at Callie at PowerAthleteHQ.com. That's C-A-L-I at PowerAthleteHQ.com. Until next time, bye!